believer in Christ, have you been praying for divine intervention or God's help in real, overwhelming needs in your life? Have you asked Jesus to immerse and envelop you in the power of the Holy Spirit? The same power that he operated in to heal the sick, cleanse lepers, cast out demons, raise the dead, and perform mighty miracles is available to you today through the same baptism in the Spirit that he himself received. The next few minutes can revolutionize your life as you learn how to be clothed with power from on high. Welcome to the Real Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Lambert. In an hour when deception and apostasy is rampant on earth, the need for proclaiming the real truth has never been more desperate. Jesus prophesied, An hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Proclaiming the real truth of the written and rhema prophetic word of God that he is revealing in this hour is our goal. Affecting real change in the hearts and minds of believers in Christ in order to fulfill the purposes and plans of God is our purpose. Friends, Throughout this teaching series, I am leading you on a journey to discover the real truth about a matter second in importance to none except salvation itself, which is the matter of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Each segment of teaching is one vital link in that journey, which leads ultimately to the real truth concerning the role of the third member of the Godhead in your life, whom Jesus himself called the Helper, that is, the blessed Holy Spirit, the living waters of God. God says in Hosea 4.6 that his people, that means born-again believers, Christians, are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Ignorance or lack of knowledge concerning spiritual matters not only is not bliss, but it is an open gateway to devastation and destruction. Jesus taught that the knowledge of the truth sets free, which inherently means that what you do not know of the truth will keep you in bondage. The unfortunate truth is that many born-again believers are being held captive by lack of knowledge of the truth and deceptions concerning this critical matter of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. 
Now, some of the main points I am going to be establishing and providing scriptural support for during the course of this teaching are that, one, the baptism in the Holy Spirit is a separate and distinct or adjunctive experience to the infusion of the Holy Spirit that takes place at the moment of salvation. Two, regeneration by the Spirit, that is, salvation, the new birth, and the baptism in the Holy Spirit are two distinct and separate workings of the same Holy Spirit. In salvation, the Holy Spirit comes to live within the believer, imparting the fruit of the Spirit, that is, the regenerative work of the Holy Spirit. In the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the believer is enveloped by or immersed in the Holy Spirit, that is to say, the Holy Spirit comes upon the believer, in contrast to in the believer, and imparts the gifts of the Holy Spirit. These facts are clearly supported by Scripture and are exemplified by the experience of Jesus himself, who is our supreme model. Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Jesus explicitly stated that the baptism in the Holy Spirit will be given to any believer who simply asks him for it. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is a gift of grace received by faith and often imparted through the laying on of hands by other anointed believers. Tongues and Interpretation of Tongues And God has appointed in the church various kinds of tongues. 1 Corinthians 12, 28, NASB And God hath set in the church diversities of tongues. 1 Corinthians 12, 28, KJV I want to now take a brief look at the one manifestation gift that has been at the center of the greatest amount of heated controversy of all the charismatic giftings, the matter of what the King James Version renders as diversities of tongues. To properly understand this whole matter of various kinds of tongues, as the New American Standard Bible renders it, requires to first understand the matter of tongues is not a humanly invented phenomenon, but as the above passage brings out, it was God's idea and doing to appoint or set in the ecclesia or church Jesus is building different kinds of tongues. The terms set and appointed both connote permanence. Everyone who has ever worked with cement knows well what the word set means. 
and that once the mixture is set, it is permanent and immutable. So this use by the Holy Spirit of these terms in this passage establishes that fact that God has ordained that various kinds of tongues should be operating in the assemblies of the church for as long as the church exists. Nowhere does Scripture inform us that God has rescinded the appointment of the gift of various forms of tongues in the church, though many have sought to have them impeached or abrogated from the church without any biblical justification for doing so. Cessationists must resort to extra-biblical theorization to support their unproven assertions, which are based virtually, exclusively, and entirely upon past church history, which is the record of what the church did vis-a-vis what God ordained and prescribed in His Word for the church to do. The chasm between the two is vast. The second crucial matter that must be established in examining this issue is that there are two distinct and separate manifestations or functions of tongues. Most of the confusion and distortion regarding tongues is rooted in the mixing of these two separate forms of tongues together in terms of function and biblical rules for their function. It is the tangled blob that results from such an incorrect confluence I hope to untangle in this chapter. The first form of tongues is tongues in the personal prayer and praise expressions of a believer who has been baptized in the Holy Spirit, such as it occurred on the day of Pentecost, in which case the devout Jewish observers present that day heard the 120 Spirit-immersed disciples in our own tongues speaking of the mighty deeds of God, which event bewildered and wrought such amazement and great perplexity in them that they began saying among themselves, What does this mean? Acts 2, 1-12. That bewilderment and great perplexity continues yet today for myriads who have not themselves received of the outpouring of the Spirit. The other manifestation of tongues is a public form that occurs in a public forum. We'll look at that form after looking at the private and personal expression of tongues in prayer and praise. Tongues in the form of prayer and praise. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What is the outcome then? I shall pray with the spirit, and I shall pray with the mind also. I shall sing praise with the spirit, and I shall sing with the mind also, 1 Corinthians 14, 14 through 15. Though appearing in the context concerning the proper operation of the manifestations of the Spirit in the congregational forum, the above verses do not 
pertain to the manifestation gift of speaking in tongues, but rather to the personal prayer and praise language in tongues. These verses and the preceding verse, verse 13, are the only times the Greek word prosukomea, pray, is used in the 14th chapter of 1 Corinthians. The matter of praying in the Spirit is mentioned here in connection with verse 13. Note the prefatory word for at the beginning of the verse to illustrate the fact that when a person speaks in an unknown tongue, an interpretation is needful because his mind, intellect, is unfruitful. In other words, his mind does not understand what has been said in the tongue that is unknown to him. All the rest of the usages of the word tongues is in connection with the Greek word laleo, speak. The word speak carries with it the connotation to speak a message. Instructions pertaining to the orderly operation of tongues given in the dissertation of 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 are not references to the personal prayer and praise language received by believers baptized in the Holy Spirit. Rather, they pertain to the congregational or public manifestation of the spirit of tongues along with its required accompanying interpretation of tongues. Ground rules for the orderly operation of the manifestation gifts are necessary only for their operation in the congregational forum, since it would be difficult for one to be out of order in the operation of the manifestations of the Spirit in his, her, private prayer and praise exercise. Indeed, it would be hard to imagine a scenario in which praying, praising, or singing in the Spirit, in tongues, privately, could possibly ever be out of order. If anyone speaks, laleo in the Greek, in a tongue, let one interpret, 1 Corinthians 14.27. Every Spirit-inspired message spoken on behalf of God in the congregational forum, i.e. prophecy, not prayer or praise, must be accompanied with interpretation into the common language of the hearers, because it is a message from God to the assembly, which cannot be understood unless it is interpreted into the common language of the hearers, 1 Corinthians 14, 6-17. through 17. If tongues are not interpreted by someone operating in the manifestation gift of interpretation of tongues, then it is not prophecy, a message from God to the congregation, but prayer and praise. Only tongues interpreted into the common language of the hearers, enabling them to understand the message and be edified by it, is prophecy. Therefore, let one who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. 1 Corinthians 14, 
13 and 28. Messages in tongues should only be given in a public forum, i.e., in an assembly, when one who interprets is present, which may be the speaker himself or herself. Notice that this passage is specifically talking about one who speaks in a tongue, in the church. It is not talking about when a person is offering up expressions of worship and praise and prayer out loud so that it can be heard by others. Such exaltations do not have to be interpreted because the person is speaking to God, not to people. If no interpreter is present, then the person who has received a message from God should either pray for the interpretation if he or she is accustomed to interpreting messages in tongues, or he should keep silent in the church assembly and speak that message to himself and use his tongue to praise God rather than to give the message to the entire congregation. For one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. 1 Corinthians 14, 2. Taken out of its full context, verses 1 through 5, it could appear this verse is saying that a person who speaks in tongues is speaking to God and not to men. That is, he is not speaking a message from God to the assembly. However, when coupled with the entire context, as well as when it is connected with the information contained in the rest of the chapter, it becomes clear that what is being said is that an utterance in tongues without the required interpretation in the congregational forum is directed to God as prayer and praise. For no one understands. But in his spirit, he speaks mysteries. 1 Corinthians 14, 2. The rest of this verse makes it clear that the reason a person speaking in a tongue without interpretation is speaking to God is because no one understands. And utterances in tongues spoken in the assembly as the first half of a prophetic message is intended to be understood by the entire congregation, which is why interpretation of tongues is then necessary and required. Notice also the phrase, in his spirit. This is where a message from God communicated in tongues is initially received within the human spirit of the recipient. It is God communicating through the Holy Spirit to the human spirit of the person receiving the message. It is incumbent upon that person to then determine if this is a message that God wants communicated to the entire congregation. If there is not an interpreter present to interpret the message in tongues to the congregation, then the person receiving the message in tongues in his spirit should keep silent in the church assembly and should speak to himself and to God 
1 Corinthians 14, 28. If the message would be harmonious with the flow of the Spirit in that service and would be in order in every other way, then the person should give the message in tongues in order for it to be interpreted to the congregation. When the message in tongues is interpreted, it is no longer a mystery. That is the purpose of interpretation of tongues. So one is speaking to God in a tongue, that is, praying or praising, when there is no interpretation of the message into the common tongue of the congregation, so that they all may understand and thus be edified. A message spoken in tongues in the congregational usage is one half of prophecy, for tongues with interpretation is prophecy. I have found in teaching on this matter that people sometimes grasp and remember the concept better when it's put into formulaic language. Formula, tongues plus interpretation equals prophecy. All of this becomes even clearer when the first part of the text is connected with the last part of the full text, in which case the following is the result. For one who speaks in a tongue without interpretation does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries, unless he interprets, so that the church may receive edifying. 1 Corinthians fourteen, twenty-five. A person speaking in a tongue is speaking to God in prayer and praise, unless his message is interpreted, in which case what he spoke is then a message from God to men, or the people present in the assembly, for the purposes of the spiritual edification of the congregation present, in which case the message becomes prophecy. For one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. But one who prophesies speaks to men. One who prophesies edifies the church. 1 Corinthians fourteen twenty four. Tongues in the form of a message from God to an assembly. The manifestation gift of tongues in the form of a message to an assembly can be defined as a supernatural, God-inspired, ecstatic message spoken through a believer in a language unknown to the speaker and not commonly known to the hearers for the spiritual edification of the assembly that must be interpreted into the common language of the hearers present in the assembly. For one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. But one who prophesies speaks to men. One who prophesies edifies the church, and greater is one who prophesies than one who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets, 
1 Corinthians 14, 2 through 5. It is in verse 5 of the above scripture that we find the explanation, as mentioned before, that tongues with interpretation is equivalent to and a form of prophecy. Again, the concept could be stated in formulaic terms as tongues plus interpretation equals prophecy. Conversely, because a message in tongues must be interpreted in order to be a proper prophetic utterance in the congregational usage, the following would also be an accurate description in formulaic language of utterances in tongues that are not interpreted. Tongues minus interpretation equals prayer and praise. Tongues should not be hindered or forbidden. Do not forbid to speak in tongues. 1 Corinthians 14, 39. To forbid believers to speak in tongues, as many denominations and churches do, is to forbid God from speaking. For tongues is a message from God inspired by the Holy Spirit and manifested through a human spokesperson. No one has authority from the Scripture to forbid the speaking forth of tongues as a God-inspired message from God in a service that is done decently and in order. 1 Corinthians 14.40 Those who try to in any way hinder, suppress, restrict, demean, belittle, prevent, prohibit, or stop the free operation of this manifestation of the Spirit does so against God Himself and the Holy Spirit, since it was God's appointment or ordination in the church, and since tongues is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit and not of any human. Those who engage in these acts against the Holy Spirit often approach committing, and sometimes do commit, sin against the Holy Spirit, which Jesus said would never be forgiven. Mark 3, 28-29 The Function and Fruit of Tongues So then, tongues are for a sign. Two unbelievers. 1 Corinthians 14.22. The manifestation of tongues in an assembly is a supernatural sign, especially to unbelievers, which, however, in no way infers that it is not to be manifested where only unbelievers are present, that has the same function and bears the same fruit as the gift of prophecy. Now, if you want that baptism in the Holy Spirit I've been talking about and would like to know more about it and how to receive it, I've written a book and even recorded an audio book of the book that will help you with that. 
The book title is Dunamis, Power from on High. Dunamis, Power from on High. Now, this concise book explains what the baptism in the Holy Spirit is, the scriptural precedent and proofs regarding it, how to sort out the real truth from all the diverse teaching that exists concerning it based on Scripture, and it provides some simple explanation for receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You can order the book and audiobook online on our website at realtruthradio.com where you can place your order by clicking on the PayPal donate button to use any bank card which does not require a PayPal account. Again, go to realtruthradio.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Real Truth. I'm Stephen Lambert. Please subscribe to the podcast, share with your friends, and visit realtruthradio.com to join our mailing list. sure to tune in to the next edition of The Real Truth. Until then, this is Stephen Lambert reminding you that with God, all things are possible and all things work together for good to them who love God and are called according to His purpose.